You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Hello! And thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. Recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good buddy Liv. And if you are keeping score at home, this is episode 157, the Hooray for Hollywood edition. Hooray for Hollywood, Hollywood. It's Oscars time, Livy. Yeah, maybe this is the time we splice in. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some snacks. For a while. I, I won't send the rest of the song. But. For a while, AMC was doing like a real, uh, like a real intensive, um, that, that prelude. Right, that get your yeah. snacks and turn your cell phones off and all kinds of stuff. Yep. And they were splicing in like Star Wars sound effects, and they were showing all other you know different clips. And they had the little round. Everybody was like a, the little round AMC guy. Yep, the little yes, the little friggin' orbs. And I feel like I went to the movie the other day, and it was just basically like turn your cell phones off. <laughs> and they shut the. You know what's funny? You remember like five years ago, or maybe even a little longer than that, it used to be, shut the fuck up during the movie. Now it's like, turn your fucking phone off, asshole. That's what the things before the movie say now. They don't even tell you to shut the fuck up. Right. They're like, just turn. And it's like, it can be distracting. It is freaking distracting. When there's a guy right down the same row from me whose phone lights up, that is distracting to me. It is really distracting. It's. Even if he's not talking, even if he's just fucking around, because apparently he is an emergency friggin' heart surgeon or something, and he needs to look at his phone doing a, for fucking in the middle of a two-hour movie, because that's the only reason, because who could be that fucking important, you know? A couple, a couple <laughs> years ago, uh, boy, probably more than a couple years ago at this point, eight or, you know, seven or eight years ago, you and I were very similar in the sense of, you know, the unwritten rules of the world. We would have been great baseball managers, you know, because uh, we both. Yeah, baseball managers. The only thing that sucks about that, I'm going to let you get into it, but the fucking unwritten rules of baseball. Oh, that shit pisses me off so much because it's such a douchey fucking system. <laughs> right. But you appreciate that there's a system. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. you're the kind of person that doesn't <laughs> sit next to somebody at the basketball game starting in the second quarter because yes, you've... Yes, stuff ass- like that. Like, yes. funny thing is, I was at the basketball game, the, the Pelicans heat game Friday night, and I saw guys come in to seats in the third quarter and fucking caught, you know, having to make people get all up and stuff, and it's like... Yeah, you should have been third quarter. You don't get to be an asshole. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, s- seven or eight years ago, that I lived my entire life by the unwritten code. And yeah. what I found was apparently I, had, I was the only person with the uh, most up-to-date edition 
because (laughs) (laughs) nobody else knew the fucking rules, man. And it drove me crazy. Literally to the brink of existence, right? Yeah. Riding the bus every day with 55 other people who did not know the rules. About having loud conversations in public on their telephones. Pick your bag up off the empty seat. Don't man spread. If you're going to take your coat off, do it before you get in the seat. Like, whatever. There were 101, there was a 101 item checklist that I went through. Well, that's like, yes. When I was on a streetcar, gone down the one of parades a couple weeks ago, it's like I get on the first stop, so it's not too crowded down here. And I had my cooler with me, you know, the little cooler bag I have, you know, the shoulder strap cooler thing, you know, fits like 12 beers. And I sit next next to me on the seat. But once people start coming in, I put it on the ground because that's what a decent person does. Yes, exactly. I go to Starbucks. (laughs) The bigger tables have a little um, handicap insignia on them. I've never seen a handicapped person in the Starbucks that I go to. But if all the other tables are full, with the exception of the handicap tables, I won't sit at the handicap table for chance that somebody comes in and is going to legitimately need it, right? Yeah, that one time some motherfucker comes rolling through that door. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So my life has gotten a lot more enjoyable since I've tossed the book of Unwritten Rules. However, when it comes to the movie theater, I have that tattooed on my forearm. Because I yeah. think that those are not only the unwritten rules of society, those are clearly established guidelines. Yes. And the other thing why the movies are different, because I'm, I'm with you. It's the movies, that shit don't change. Because when I go to the movies, that's my sanctuary. That's my escape. That's why I shut my phone off. You know, because that's two hours where I don't want to be bothered with a bullshit text message of... You know, uh, you know, friggin' some stupid uh, link or some ridiculous chain of text messages that I've unfortunately trapped in, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like that's the two hours where it's like all I care about is what's happening in on Tatooine or whatever, you know? You're, you've purchased a seat. You've yes. bought food that you're eating out of a bucket and you're drinking a drink out of out of a 44 ounce cup those are those and you're sitting in the dark right when do you ever experience all of those elements together never yeah except in the movies yeah it's a special occasion and I could walk outside after a movie and friggin' World War Three could have happened. I could be walking nuclear holocaust and I would have been like, well, at least the movie wasn't ruined for me. Right. <laughs> exactly. So when some <laughs> asshole comes in and lights his phone up in the middle, yeah. decides to chat. I haven't been in a movie where people have chatted in a while, but it's it's definitely yeah. like texting snapchatting you know the kids with their texting and their snapchatting <laughs> and their face gramming <laughs> and they're all tweetering 
<laughs> the kids these days. I look at it. I look at it like this: you can have your own good time. Just don't let it interfere with my good time. Yep. Right. So, like for example, yeah, that's the libertarian spirit. I went. You know, do whatever you want as long as you don't fuck with somebody else. So here, I thought of you the other day. We went uh, on Valentine's Day. I had a Valentine's Day date. My dad and I went oh, to go nice. see uh, the Tedeschi Trucks Band. Oh, nice. Yeah, your dad. it was great. Sweet. It was good times. Good times. And um, we got there early, a little earlier than we probably needed to. But we, you know, we found our seats. They were great seats. It was the <laughs> It was the complete opposite situation of the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson fiasco, R yeah. right? The, it was in an old theater. The seat was solid. It was it was wide. I've dropped a few pounds since since then, and like since Neil deGrasse Tyson. Since Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah. Congratulations, oh, thank buddy. You, thank you, man. Um, yeah. So everything was everything's coming up, Sanders. It was great. Yep. So we get in our seats. They're they're in the orchestra, about twenty five or twenty six rows back on the edge on the aisle on the left, all the way on the left aisle, which is fine. What theater was it at? Uh, the Beacon Theater. In I'm sorry, not the Beacon Theater. Uh, Count Basie Theater in Red Bank. Okay. How far away is that from you? Probably fifteen minutes. Okay. 20, 20, All right, that's close by. I mean, I've heard of Red Bank, New Jersey. I just didn't know where. Yeah, where real close. A couple towns up. A couple towns. So up. that's that's Middle Jersey or Central Jersey? Uh, yeah, I would still consider it the Jersey Shore. Okay, so it's 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 on the southern side. Okay, yeah. I got you. Yep. Yeah. Um. So we go. The band comes out. Everybody stands, and everybody remains standing. Ugh. And everybody remains standing. And my dad goes, you got to be kidding me. Now, I feel a little bad. for What row were y'all in? It, like the 26th or 27th Yeah, row. so it wasn't a row where you could sit down and still enjoy no. it. Like if you would have been like, yeah. And we were on the floor. In the balcony, I think it would have been different because those seats have more of a stadium style seating. Yeah, and you're a traditional theater. Yeah, this style. is like an old, yeah. this is an old, old theater. Yeah. Um, but on the floor, on the on the orchestra, they're just basically flat. So, yep. and, and he's shorter. He's you know he's only like five seven or, or so, and he can't see anything. Um, and so I just sit back down in the seat because I can't see anything anyway, and I'm just going to enjoy the music, and I'm fine. To me, eventually everybody sat down. I looked around at the crowd and I said, these are all old people. They're all going to eventually sit down once the, once the novelty wears off. And it was Valentine's Day. They all had been drinking. So like, I knew their enthusiasm was misplaced. But in that... And the arthritis started yes, to exactly. up in their knees exactly. and stuff. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but in that instance, I don't, I don't harbor a grudge for the guy in front of me because yes. he is having a good time and it's part and parcel for the event right so well you know it's funny about that sorry go on but i have yeah. something to say about that too the difference between him and the movie theater guy 
who's texting or talking, not only is he interrupting my good time, there's no fucking way he can be having a good time. He's not enjoying the event. He's doing something totally different. So that's why that situation is the the movie theater situation is totally out of bounds compared to almost any other group yeah. concert or movie or event setting. You just as can't far do as that standing shit. goes, standing, I have the, like as far because there's a different issue with standing sporting events. Now, if you're in a regular crowd at a sporting event, occasionally people will stand, and that's no big deal. When there's big plays that happen, that unfold, or there's a big play ready to happen, you know, like a crucial time, people are stand. But people that stand the whole fucking game, if you're not sitting in a student section, and and it's not like some tradition or something where everybody knows that you go there, people stand. That is unacceptable. So that's interesting because I, I agree with you, but I, I, I never knew what the protocol was or, or the, the acceptable decorum for that situation was until a couple of years ago, I went to uh, one of those Eagle um, fan fest uh, trips. Not the one when you came down here. Yeah, huh? same group, different. I went to Chicago okay. this time. I was in Soldier different Field. Different spiked uh, shoulder pads. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we sat Soldier Field, probably ten yard line, upper deck, second to last row in the stadium. The guys sitting. Shane, in front darling. of us. Shane. So the guys sitting in front of us, which were three rows from the top of the stadium, decided to stand. And they stood in front of these little kids. These were they e- These are Eagle these are your Eagles cohorts that who's who decided to stand? Um I, that's what I'm trying to think. I'm b- almost sure they they were the Eagles. They were Eagles guys. And probably cuz A, they're Eagles fans and B, probably because when you're wearing all that ridiculous shit, it's uncomfortable to sit. Yeah, these guys weren't these guys just had like maybe jerseys on. They wasn't they oh, were okay. just they were drunk assholes. That was their big But like that ticket. guy wearing the shoulder pads yeah, and different, shit. Yeah. yeah. Same right. He was the leader, but he wasn't causing this but problem. He can't enjoy sitting down in a stadium seat. Uh no, I don't know if he wears the shoulder pads. I think he just wears a cloak like a uh, Grim Reaper. Okay. But there was a shoulder pads dude when y'all oh, were here because yeah, I remember maybe. Maybe. I remember the march to the state. It might not have been that guy, but there was somebody that was in something ridiculous. Oh, I'm sure. Because I remember I met up with y'all before y'all made the march down to the dome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and you were so out of place. <laughs> right. I probably had an Allman Brothers t-shirt on. Like, they were all clowns. <laughs> you had your friggin' vodka grapefruit flip-flops on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Rolling down. Um, but these guys were standing in front of a dad and his kid. And they were just being assholes and they wouldn't sit down and they like exerted their right to stand. And, um, yeah, they were Eagles fans because all the other Eagles fans turned on them. And of course, because no one wants to be associated with bad fans. Yeah, you're right. So we, they called up security and they booted them. They kicked them out of the stadium. Yeah. So, I mean, well, you saw that, I think it was, 
it was a Panthers game earlier in the season. I think it might have been a Monday night game. And the video was on dead spin. It was a viral video, actually, where like a Panthers fan beat some older guy up. But but that was the dispute standing. You know, the younger guy was fucking standing like an asshole the whole time. And the guy's like, I want to watch the game. I think it was probably in the upper deck of it was when they were playing the Eagles. So the incorrect thing originally was, oh, Eagles fan. But I think I think they were both Panthers fans, actually, ultimately. And the younger guy was just a drunk asshole. Yeah, you know, exactly. If it is a seated event, if you have a ticket and that ticket assigns you to a seat, it should the 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 proper etiquette should be to sit down. And if somebody asks you, unless to sit down, you are at a college game and yeah, you're sitting uh, correct, in the students, correct. Section. Absolutely. Yes. Totally exception or to everyone. If it's some tradition, like, you know, theoretically, maybe some team who's like all their fans stand the whole game. You know? Yep. Uh, obviously, have, obviously you gotta know your market. To the rule. But if but if the rule is that you only stand at appropriate times, like a Syracuse basketball game, if you're not a student, the only times you stand are like before they make their first field goal of each half. Not free throw, field goal. Right. You know, it's like, yes, you can't complain about the standing people in front of you uh, unless, they, unless the guy in front of you is still standing after Syracuse hits a layup or a three-pointer or whatever. Right. You know? Yep. But you can't complain if it's going to be an exciting play or if it's a, you're at a football game and all of a sudden there a guy is reeling off a 50-yard run or pass and everybody stands. It's like, you just got to stand. You just got to deal with it. Right. Two strikes. You know? Two strikes, two outs. Yeah. Bottom of the ninth, you, you stand. And I was fight. I was wrestling with that the other night because I was at the Pelicans game that ended up going to overtime and they ended up winning on a shot with just a few seconds left. So an overtime game, by definition, has lots of moments like that leading up to the overtime and then an overtime, you know? Yeah. Where it's like where they're coming out of timeout, so people are standing. And, and I wrestle with that when I have an event like that because I know people behind me are are sitting down, but then I'm like, but the problem is people in front of me are standing, I got to see it. So they're just going to have to deal with the domino effect, you know? Yes. Yep. And that was very much what happened at the, at the, um, Tedeschi trucks concert. It was a domino effect. A couple people down low stood up and everybody else had to stand to see them. But, um, at the movies, there is no excuse. It's dark, it's quiet, it's yep. solitary. And movies are escapes. That's what the whole point of movies are, escapism. Whether it's a drama, whether it's action, whether it's comedy, it's all about escaping, you know? Absolutely. It's all about being taken somewhere else. So it's like, why do you want to be distracted with the outside world while you're in there, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Going to a movie is one of my favorite things to do. And when yep. that gets ruined, I get sour. Be- and yeah, because it's like it, it sucks. I I still remember going to see what did I went I went to see X Men. I think it was an X Men movie, one of the sequels. I think I went to see with Brian. Is that the movie I went to? See? It was one of the X Men sequel, and we went to see it like 
after I'd gotten out of work when I was in Boston, it was one of his days off. He met me down at the Boston Comic Theater, and a bunch of kids were sitting a few rows behind us. And I guess they were closer to me than Brian, just by, you know, like they were over my right shoulder or whatever, and he was sitting to the left of me or something. Okay. And they ruined the fucking movie because I don't really remember anything about the movie. I remember these kids chatting the whole time. And it was because, like, the movie was like their babysitter. And that's another fucking reason why I don't go to movie, why I try to avoid big movies on opening weeks or weekend nights anyway, too. Because a lot of people use the movies as a babysitter, you know? Yeah. They go put their teen kids there and they know they're at the movies. And the kids. Go to the movies because they got 20 bucks to go to see the movie, so they'll go in there. But it, but really, they're there to see their buddies, so they don't give a fuck, and they'll chat the whole time. You know? Yeah, that's you do go to a lot of movies during the weekdays. That's, that's a smart move. Yeah, I mean, it's cheaper for one, and also, you don't have... A, to go on to a Friday... If I go to a Friday or Saturday movie... Usually it's something that's not geared towards the masses, you know? Yeah. The pot it's not geared towards the youth. Uh it's not it's not something that high school kids would be into. Right. You know? Right. The, the exception was gone to Black Panther because a girl from law school sent out this email. I was like, Well, I'll go with them because she's gonna get a block of seats and big fucking deal. It'll be fun. You know? Yeah, sometimes sometimes it, it's worth it's an event going as part of an outing, right? It's an event. Yeah, that's an event type of thing, you know? Because it was like the zeitgeist, you know? So it's like, oh, I'm going to see it open weekend. Cool. You know? Um, yeah, it was a few years ago, because I, I generally go to movies during the week, you know? Tuesdays through Thursdays are my sweet spots for movies. <laughs> um, and... Which one was it? Am I? I don't know. It was the. It must have been the second Captain America. And I think I, I might have even told the story on the last podcast where the guy there wasn't that many people in the theater, dude. So I'm sitting in the middle, about midway up where I always sit the movies, and the guy sits in the row in front of us, and he picks up the phone during the movies to tell the guy calling him that he's in the movies. It's like, <laughs> just a turn the fucking phone off, put it on airplane mode because that's what I do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Nothing can get through it, but like he he definitely was not a friggin' guy who needed emergency access to his phone, you know, yeah, that needed yeah. to be reached. And it's like I'm in the movies. He's saying and it's like shut the fuck up, asshole. Right. You know, it's like have you never have you never missed a call in your life? Right. You know, like you had to answer it. <laughs> I bet it was one of those situations where the guy picks up the phone and he goes, hey, I'm in the movies. I'm in the movies. I'm in. Are you there? Can you hear me? I am in the movies. What? Who do those Sorry, fucking- I'm ruining the movies for the guy behind me. Yeah. Who do those fucking people talk to that don't listen to him on the other end of the conversation? That was but the crazy. other side is, you've never missed a call before? Right. You know? Like, you're afraid he's going to keep calling? Turn, what? You, you're afraid he's going to call the police if you don't answer? <laughs> oh, he's messing. He didn't answer the phone, you know? <laughs> like, what the fuck? He's an adult. The police aren't going to do shit for 24 hours anyway. Right. Right. 
Oh, well, man. despite all of that. With that being said, I hate people. <laughs> okay. But I love movies. And that's why this episode uh, is one of my favorite episodes every year. So we've, we get into a groove, right? We've got a few... We've got a few staples in our repertoire. The Thanksgiving Day episode is is a is a big episode. Um, the Mardi Gras episode's a big episode, um, and the Oscars episode, without fail, every year tends to tends to be a crowd favorite. Um, the only entity in this world that's better to me than movies are to me is my dog. Well, that's saying something. Yeah, my dog. People. You know, there's people who I, you know, who I love, you know, who, who wouldn't be psyched every time they see me, but my dog is psyched every time I, he sees me. The one time a month, which was the other day when I got to give him his trifexus, he's pissed for that minute. But besides that, it's cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. but every time I walk through that door, he's psyched. You know, sometimes movies kind of treat me shitty when I find out that I just wasted 10 bucks on crap. But the dog never does that. That's the one difference between dogs, or my dog, and the movies. You know, so true, <laughs> so prophetic. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, like, like years past, um, we're gonna do our Oscar predictions. Yes. Also, like years past, we haven't seen the overwhelming majority of these movies, but that will not stop us from hazarding a prediction on uh, the winner in each category. Also, like years past, we're going to just stick to the major categories. Uh, pick best pictures, best actors and actresses, best supporting actors and actresses, uh, best director. But this year, I also want to add screenplay. The best uh, adapted and best... Uh, there's another, a best original screenplay. Because... There were a couple movies that I saw that I think are either going to get shafted or weren't necessarily Oscar-worthy movies to begin with. Uh, okay. But they, their script and their writing were, were so powerful that I think they need to be recognized, and I hope, I hope they will be. So, um, in the way that throw mama from the train never was. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, so wait, how do you want to do this? You want to do this? Uh, you want to do best picture? Well, best picture should be last, should, just like it always is. We should is. hold that. Okay, very good. Yeah, but just like they do at the, um, at the Academy Awards. That's the biggest prize, you know? All right. So let, let's start with... Uh, let's, I got to pull up my Oscar noms. Let's start with the best supporting, the, the best supporting cast. Uh, start with best supporting actor. Uh, oh, look at you! Aren't you a man for the twenty-first century? <laughs> we'll start with the men <laughs> <laughs> to give more prominence to the best supporting actress, actor, female court. Well, they say actress still, but that's going to have to change because I know that's not cool anymore. Actor and actress. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's passe. It's just like they don't. Just it's just like calling a female comedian a comedian, like that. That's gone by the wayside. Actor and actress will be gone by the wayside. So it'll be best male it's, actor, best female actor. It'll be best actor, yeah, female and male. I'm sure. I'm sure eventually it's going to be that way, dude. I, I see it as best actor in a female role. 
No, because then you're leaving open the door for like Jared Leto winning. For- Jared Leto, yes, and um, what's his name? The uh, Eddie Redmayne. Oh, I don't even know what that is. He was nominated for the Dutch Girl or whatever. He won for Stephen Hawking. Yeah, right. He won for Stephen Hawking. I didn't realize that. He- but he was nominated for the Dutch Girl or whatever it was called. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Of course he was nominated for that. That's why I was so against him winning the Oscar when he won. <laughs> I was like, he's like 20-something in British. He's going to be nominated all the fucking time. You know, Michael Keaton will never be nominated again. You know? I mean, he might be nominated again, but that was his best chance to win. It won every award except for that one. Because let's give it to a British guy, because that's what we love to do. Mm. It's just like with Stallone. Uh, oh, Stallone's getting all these... You know, Laudits, uh, you know, he's getting all the, everybody's praising him for his work in Creed. Let's give it to a guy, a British guy in a movie no one saw, you know? Right, right. And they gave it to the guy from Bridge of Spies, you know, which is a Spielberg movie, but still no one saw it. I didn't see it. Seems boring to me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Spielberg's made a lot of movies, and a lot of them are boring. I mean, when, the more movies you make, the more chance you're going to make some boring films. Right. But that's not here nor there. Let's, let's um, as they say, as Dave Letterman say, moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Speaking so we'll, of people that will never host the Oscars again. Okay. <laughs> so we will uh, we'll start with Best Supporting Actor. Okay. Uh, five nominees are Sam Rockwell for three billboards. Woody- Sam Rockwell, three billboards. This is Sam Rockwell's second nomination. I have no clue. <laughs> you know they always do. Right, right. <laughs> Woody Harrelson for three billboards. Yes, that's a very difficult one because... All right, sorry. Name all the nominees. Christopher sorry. Plummer for All the Money in the World. William Defoe for The Florida Project. And uh, apparently Bob Newhart for The Shape of Water. <laughs> uh, Richard Jenkins. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. yeah. That, he looks he just, he's a dead ringer for Bob Newhart. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's that guy in oh. all the movies that you're like, who's that guy? I know that guy. Yep, he's one of those dudes. Yeah. Wasn't he the dad from Six Feet Under? Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, and he would show up as a ghost every yes, now and Yes, he was. Very good. Yes. Good job, Liv. Two points for you. Yeah. So, of those five movies, of those four movies, of those five actors, I have seen a grand total of zero. Okay. I've seen, let me, uh, I've seen uh, three billboards. I've seen The Shape of Water. I haven't seen The Florida Project, but I want to see it. And I just haven't had time to go look look for it on Amazon or whatever, because I think it's probably on one of those services right now. And I mean, since the since uh, CBS Sunday morning, a week and a half, and I heard about it when it first came out, but it was only out here for like a week or two. Okay. Um, but they did a piece on Willem Dafoe, and here's a funny thing that I learned about Willem Dafoe: in that a he's from Wisconsin, which really shocks me. Oh, I would have guessed. Um, yeah, I would have guessed he was European. Yeah, I just always assumed he was. I think his dad might have been a doctor or something. But whatever the case is, you assume he was like. A European dude or something. And his birth name was William Dafoe, but he changed it to Willem for his acting career, basically. I, I don't, I, 
I'm not sure what he said. Probably just to differentiate himself, you know? Yeah, okay. All right. But he legitimately was William at one time, and he changed his name to Willem. It, which reminds me of a long time ago when Conan was on um, Late Night when he had the NBC show. It was... Um, <laughs> I think Willem Dafoe might have been a guest when he did it. And they, you know, they always had these stupid little bits. And it was like they had a team of people here to give Willem Dafoe the I in his name. (laughs) 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 The missing I. Oh, okay. Um, So I saw three billboards. I saw The Shape of Water. Richard Jenkins is great. Christopher Plummer. As far as I know, that's a friggin' damn achievement, because you know that role was originally played by Kevin Spacey. Yeah, right. So typically what, what, we, what we do here is we kind of give who we think is going to win, but then also who we predict will win, right? Who deserves it in our eyes and who will, who will, who will actually win. Um, it's kind of like the the Meryl Streep loophole or the Meryl Streep rule, right? Um, yeah. Because it doesn't always go to the best supporting actor. It goes there's the, well, it's a political course. award. It's just like it's just like what's her name? Um, Marissa Tomei when she won hers. Yes. Yeah, I was like, really? You know. So I mean, Marissa Tomei is a good actress, and she's a pretty lady, but seriously. So not having seen any of these movies, I'm only going to give, obviously, who I think will win, not who I think deserves. And what do you think, and what is your thought, what are your thoughts based on? Very easy. Hashtag, me too, Christopher Plummer. I think there's okay. no bigger statement than giving it to the guy who replaced Kevin Spacey. I think I think okay. I think that's it. I understand that. I, th- um, I think that's just the tone of Hollywood these days that he's in the right place at the right time in the right movie replacing the right guy. Yeah, I I understand your sentiment. With that being said, I'll say this much on Christopher Plummer's performance. I did not see the movie. But it has to be friggin' really hard to go post and re-record all these, you know, do all your scenes in absentia, basically, is what he did. Yeah, yep. You know, like, just like, oh, and this is what she says here, and we're recording you, and they digitally put you into the movie or whatever, you know? Yep. But I think... Which is what he did. But I think that opens the door for people to say, you you don't give an acting performance like yeah. that under those circumstances ever, and he did it. Let's applaud him. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe, this is his maybe second Oscar nomination, I think. I know he was nominated for Platoon. He might have been nominated one other time. I forget what they said. Um, anywho, Florida Project is supposed to be a great movie. This is their only nomination, though. Is this? Uh, there's a chance they go with it to kind of recognize the movie. Fair enough. But here's what I think it's and Shape of Water. I enjoyed it very much, but I think that's 
I think that guy getting nominated alone is acknowledgement enough, you know? Yes. Because he's kind of an obscure, like, hardworking actor, and this is like, hey, man, here's your reward. We're giving you a nomination. Yep. You know? Yep. They don't need to actually give him the, the award. Now, the reality is, Three Billboards, I think, is going to be the big winner this year. I would because agree. Because it's been cleaning up everywhere. I agree. And with that, when I saw it, my takeaway from that movie was, I was like, it has three great actors, all given three great performances. But of course, two of those actors are in the same position, the supporting actors. Right. So I would look at that mm-hmm. as like a split in the vote kind of situation. Yeah, but Rockwell did win the Golden Globe. Okay. And I think people that are going to vote and acknowledge that movie are going to give it to Sam Rockwell because based on this, because Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell is kind of a niche actor, you know? Like he's quirky. He's in weird movies. He's not always going to be in a position. No, how great of an actor is, and he's a great actor. He's never. He's not always going to be in a position to be in a movie that gets nominated. Woody Harrelson will. Woody Harrelson has. He will continue to be. Woody Harrelson is a super A-list actor. And you know? to some degree, or by some accounts, just hitting his stride now. Well, yeah, he's moving into that. He's moving into the august, distinguished, authoritarian figure. Whether it's the bad guy military leader in War for the Planet of the Apes or in this movie he played the uh the chief of police in town who who's struck with cancer, you know, who is you know, helpless to has no power to help Francis McDormand's character, you know, who who is in pursuit of trying to find out who the fuck killed her daughter. You know? Yeah. And I'm not giving anything away by telling you that, because that's just what the that's movie the, is. Right, yeah. the premise of the movie. Yeah. Yes, that is the premise. So I think it's going to be Sam Rockwell. If I was a betting man, I'd give it to Sam Rockwell. All right. And I is what I think pushes him over Woody Harrelson, which pushed him over in that movie. You know, um, they're both supporting actors, but Sam Rockwell even plays a bigger role throughout. Yeah. All right. Of the movie that's probably gonna win the best picture, I'm thinking. All right. So you thinking it it you you, you think it should be Sam Rockwell, but you wouldn't be surprised if uh, William Defoe gets the nod. I wouldn't be surprised if William Defoe gets it. I think he's already deserving. I I think Christopher Plummer's already deserving just because of the difficulty of going back and shooting a movie like that and still doing such a freaking awesome performance that you're nominated for. You know. Right. Willem Dafoe is my dark horse candidate. Sam Rockwell is my favorite. Got it. All right. Uh, you got a pen and paper? You want to write that down so we don't for, so we don't forget? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm gonna put BSA best supporting actor. BSAM for male. Uh, I'm gonna put my favorite. Rockwell, I'll put Dark Horse Defoe. And yeah. what's your favorite? Uh, Christopher Plummer. All right, Plummer. 
Do you have a Dark Horse candidate? No, because I didn't see any of the movies, so I'm just going to stick uh, with it. Oh, yeah. I forgot you're a movie reviewer who doesn't watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, when we get into the ladies, I do have some... Uh, I do have some point of reference here. So, um, okay. moving on to the best supporting actress, uh, Leslie Manville for the Phantom Thread. Allison, that's a movie I wanted to see that I haven't seen yet. Uh, Allison Janney for I Tanya. Yep, I did see that. Lori Metcalf and Lady Bird. Saw that. Mary J. Blige and Mudbound. I did not, but you saw that, right? I did. Uh, and Octavia okay. Spencer in The Shape of Water. Okay. So Which I saw, yes. I did not see Phantom Third. I don't know what Phantom Third is about. I don't know who Leslie Manville is. I haven't heard anything about this movie. So right away, I get to cross that off my list. Okay, that's fine. I think that's fair. I do want to see Phantom Third. I hear it's phenomenal. It's just that it's at the time. It was all in the middle of Mardi Gras, and it's like an intense two-plus hours of movie, you know? Yeah. It's really hard to schedule time for something that dense when you're freaking worried about hitting parades and stuff. Um, so with that... You, you saw I, Tanya, though, yes. right? Yes. So, so uh, let me... Well, since you're knocking out Leslie Manville, let me knock out... One person I want to knock out. Go I'm going to knock out Octavia Spencer. Okay, I would also because knock. She was out. all right, but I, I think, I think she's kind of reached that point in her career where she's going to get nominations for like one out of every four movies she does. She, she is is kind of the, uh, the Meryl Streep of the 21st century. Even though Meryl Streep is the Meryl Streep of the 21st century, I yeah. feel like if you want to acknowledge an actor or an actress in a movie that may or may not otherwise have been uh, recognized. As long as it's Octavia Spencer, you're not going to go wrong doing it. Exactly. Because I'll say it's a such shape of word. Octavia Spencer is good, but I never thought it was something that was worthy of an Oscar nomination. Right. I'll be straight up with it. Exactly. You. But she's it, such... Because it wasn't like the most... Um, it, I didn't even think it was that huge of a role, you know? And she's... I mean, I know it's a supporting role, but... As far as the supporting role goes, I didn't think it was that huge of a role. But she's such a good actress that you can't go wrong if you need a yeah, another exactly. name. That's what I that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I which is why I understand the Meryl Streep thing, which is why, you know, that's why I'm saying I think she'll get nominated one of every four, just like Meryl yep, Streep. Totally. One of every four movies she gets nominated for. Totally. Oh. You know, it's like, yes, yeah, she's gonna constantly get recognized because if they get around to well, we need a fifth person. Oh right, well, let's put Octavia Spencer on the list because she always guarantees that she gives a good performance. Yep. You know, because she does always give a good performance. It's just whether it's warranted for her to win the Oscar this year, and I don't think it is. Yep. While we're eliminating um, folks, I'm also going to eliminate Mary J. Blige. Okay. Although I saw that movie, and of all the movies I saw, I think that had the most impact on me. Like right. from uh you know uh, intellectual standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, from a cinematography standpoint, like the movie was top notch, and but she's also nominated for for a music Oscar, right? That's why I think yeah. 
you can recognize that they'll save that her. for her. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And she was great, but it wasn't one of I'm trying to think of a of a role in a similar movie for like a star of that nature, you know, like a crossover star that gets recognized and you're like, wow. Um Madonna and Desperately Seeking Susan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck no. Uh I was gonna go that movie was Friggin' bullshit and frivolous, and this is an actual serious movie like, from all indications. Barbara Streisand, maybe, and something Barbara Streisand did. Um, Bette Midler and Beaches. Oh, The Way We Were. Because I saw that on TV a couple weeks ago, actually. The Way We Were with Barbara Streisand. Okay. She sings the theme song and everything. Very similar. Very yeah, similar. Yeah, and, she, and she's great in it. Um, and and Mary J. Blige is great, but I think they're going to recognize her elsewhere, which basically brings us down to Allison Janney and Laurie Metcalf, who I would say are essentially the same person, right? They're- I don't know who the actual favorites are. Let's put that caveat in here. So if I say my dark horse is this person and like a listener, like, you know, Alfredo buzzes in from Central America or Miami or wherever he's jet setting to this week, whether it be El Salvador at the home base or Miami at Quinonez, uh, Quinonez operation, South Florida. <laughs> and it's like, how's that dark horse? Everybody, Vegas has her two to one for that. Fuck that. These are, yes. these are Liv Sanders. Correct. Friggin' favorites and dark horses. Correct. We are not Vegas, you know? I just want to say it because I think it's going to, it bears saying considering this category. So I want to talk a little bit about Itania, but more so when we get to uh, the Margot Robbie nomination. Um, But I saw it. I enjoyed it. I thought Allison Janney did a good job but i think from what i've heard lori metcalf gets the nod for two allison janney is almost on octavia spencer grounds too okay she gets nominated for everything she does fair enough she wins she she won an oscar and friggin emmys like back to back and all that you know Oh, like, would she, she gets win- nominated for everything she does. What'd she win the Oscar for? Uh, well, did she win an Oscar? She was, I think she was nominated for Juno. She might not won it. Oh, but Juno. Okay. She, she definitely won Emmys for, I believe, well, Mom, she's definitely won. But I think she also won for the West Wing okay. and then rolled right into Mom and won the Emmy for that the next year or something. Yeah, you know? definitely for West Wing. Definitely for West Wing. Yeah. But she definitely won the Emmy for Mom, too. And I think it was like back to back. And she might have been not like she's one of those she's one of those actresses Hollywood loves. And and she was great, but I think Lady Bird, which had so much buzz and had and and people love that movie, uh, is gonna get shut out otherwise. So I think that that's you can bring yourself to see it. Um Well, you know, here was my problem this year is last year. I want to say I watched the overwhelming majority of the movies a week or two before the Oscars on Amazon. 
And this year they didn't come out. Like they weren't available mm. for rent or to download mm. or to stream. They're just not out yet. So yeah. I missed a lot of these these the Oscar worthy movies just because I don't have I missed them in the theater and I didn't get a chance to see them on the small screen. Yeah. Um but with that said, I saw Itania. I loved Itania, but uh, I think you saw Itania on Amazon or at the theater. No, at the theater. Anything? Okay, I've... yeah, I saw it at the theater like a month ago now, probably. It was great. Yeah, I, so... I mean, it was kind of preposterous because it's friggin' ridiculous. Like the whole story is ridiculous. It was cartoonish in in the sense that that story I'll is just so unbelievable. I'll say this much: another movie that was based on a real life story. I wasn't nominated for shit. No one ever would nominate for anything. But it reminded me of it was 30, sec- 30 minutes or less. A movie with Danny McBride that came out about eight years ago, about uh, seven or eight years ago, about these morons that were trying to run a heist. I think it was Pennsylvania stuff. And it was, and it was the same uh, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, Bungling yeah, yeah, yeah. idiots. But like I liked Itania a lot. But it's like, if it wouldn't have been a true story, it wouldn't have gotten nominated because it's a comedy. Right. It's a comedy. That's what it is. Yes. You know, it wasn't nominated for Best Picture, but it wouldn't have got all this buzz like, oh, it's such a great movie because it, it ultimately it's a comedy. It's a it's a bungling, who, bungling band of criminal idiots. Yeah, it's essentially comedy. a whodunit. It is 30 minutes or less. Okay. Which is also based on a real story. It's just no one was like, oh, this needs to be... Although I laughed my ass off in 30 minutes or less, and I laughed my ass off in I, Tanya because it was so preposterous. Right, right. Yeah. So I think it, it goes to Laurie Metcalf. I think it should go to Laurie Metcalf. Oh. Personally. All right. Having seen Lady Bird, I think it should go to Laurie Metcalf. Okay. Laurie Metcalf was so good at playing the passive-aggressive, needling mother, you know, and who who ostensibly, who thinks she's doing best for her child, you know? Even though, you you know, you look at it and you think, and you can totally sympathize with uh, Cher Cher Ronan's character, you know, with Lady Bird. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but even at the end, you know, um, well, you need to see the movie. But, you know, like, she's just so good at playing that role. It doesn't even matter the mother of a daughter. It just needs to, you know, show. I mean, it kind of struck a chord with me. Okay. You know, because my own family was. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Laurie Metcalf was great, and I think she deserves to win. The uh, the Oscar for it. So I would pick Laurie Metcalf, but if I had to say who I think the favorite is, I would say Allison Jan. Okay, wow, all right. I don't, I don't, I prefer Laurie Metcalf. I'm saying Allison Jan is, is who I suspect will win. Okay, and listen, that's a, she plays an unbelievable character, unbelievably. So that's two negatives make a make a positive so um i could see why people would would dig that and it's also a movie that's not going to get any other recognition 
Yep. So who's your favorite? Who do you think's going to win? Uh, Lori Metcalf. I think. Okay. I think she's she's the favorite. I think I, she should. I hope she wins it, and you'll put Mary J. Blige as your dark horse since you saw that movie. Yes, I, I would put Mary J. Blige as the dark horse. All right. All right. What are we on to next? Are, what category? We are on to best actor. Best actor in a leading role. Okay. To which we have some heavy hitters. Some f- some familiar names and some uh, some new kids on the block. Daniel Day Lewis for Phantom Thread. All right, I definitely have an opinion here about this. Yes. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. Call me okay. by your name. I did not see that, but he's not going to win it anyway. Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya for Get Out. I saw Get Out. He's not going to win. I saw Get Out. He is not going to win. Um, not because he wasn't a good actor, he's just not gonna win. <laughs> yeah, that whole movie was a great movie, but it 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 almost had the vibe of like I don't know, you've almost like a Cinemax. I think movie. it's being more awarded for its financial success. Yeah, right. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot, but I think it's being more. It's getting these because it came out. It came out so long ago too. If it would have come out like in October, I don't think it would have been nominated for all this stuff. You know, I think the distance kind of helped it with that, you know? Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, one of your favorites Denzel Washington and Roman J. Israel Esquire. I did see that. And uh, Gary Oldman in The Darkest Hour. Yes. Okay. I saw Darkest Hour, I saw Roman J. Israel. Esquire, I saw Get Out. I did not see Phantom Thread or Call Me By Your Name. I saw um, Get Out and Darkest Hour. Okay. Uh, do you want to handicap this first with your opinions? Yeah, so... Because I think that's how we've been doing it. I, I, this is, this is kind of like a who's who of heavy hitters, right? I mean, yep. you, you got to throw out Chalmay and, and Kaluuya. Um, I don't know what Call Me By Your Name is, right? It's... Uh, is a coming like of a age, thing, yeah. homosexual, coming of age love story type love of thing. story. Yeah. Um, yep. You know those always get some traction though. Yeah, especially with French guys in them. So, um, having not seen it, I don't have a very strong opinion either way. But the Get Out performance, um, it was fine. But like, I've seen that role and I've seen that character and I've seen that guy do that character. You know. I've seen a guy do that character in a, a bunch of times. And like you said, it was rewarded for, yeah. for it. Have you got complaints about any veiled term Sanders is using? Send all your complaints to Sanders, not me. <laughs> what are my veiled terms? <laughs> I ain't even touching that one, brother. Let's keep moving. <laughs> all right. <laughs> if anybody knows what they are, let me know, please. Please. <laughs> Um, Let's put it this way. Mr. Kamek will be on the phone with you shortly. I have to look up who Mr. Kamek is. <laughs> um, all right. So then that leaves Daniel Day-Lewis, Denzel Washington, and, Gold- and Gary Oldman. Um, you know, I just feel like anytime Daniel Day-Lewis gets a nomination, Daniel Day-Lewis wins. Yes. He's just... And- he is okay. Go on. He's handicapped. He is an actor that's so far above any other actor. Like 
whatever. He man. makes one movie every three to four years. His yes. performance, his preparation, his presence, like the whole deal. You're like, I'd pay to see Daniel Day Lewis peel an orange. You know. With that said, I didn't see Denzel Washington, but Denzel Washington is always Denzel Washington, and I'm sure that. Sorry, was Sorry, we just call him Denzel in this <laughs> in this house. I'm sure it was great. I'm sure it's Oscar worthy. Um, it was good, but I don't think it's worthy of the best actor, personally. I enjoyed the movie, but I don't think it's worthy of best actor. Here's where I... But th- the reason I think he was nominated more than anything is because he plays such a weirdo in the movie. He's such an odd character. Yeah, okay. Israel. All right. But I think this is the year where they reward... There's so many big-name actors playing real people that they have to reward one of them. And I think it's, I think Gary Oldman is deserving of that. Okay. So is Gary Oldman your favorite? Uh, no, uh, Daniel Day Lewis would be my favorite, but I think Gary Oldman is my dark horse. I think he deserves Right. He deserves it. I, not knowing much about that time, and I listen. I got a, I got a bone to pick with you. I got a beef with you. Beef. Yeah. Uh-oh. This might be a Brian Peters thing if you got a beef with me. Thanks to you, I couldn't get Monty out of my head. The entire Darkest Hour movie. You saw Darkest Hour? Yeah, I went to see it. I went to see it in the theater right. by myself. And Monty, Monty Lukov. Uh. Yeah, your my Monty. Yes, my Monty. Yes, your Rube. Why? <laughs> your Rube. oh, because of the photo. Because of the Malta conference. Yeah, Yalta. Yalta conference. Yes, yes, yes. And and I just couldn't get that out of my head, and it ruined the fucking movie for me. <laughs> that ruined the movie for you? Yeah, because I couldn't. Because all I <laughs> kept picturing him sitting there with yes Monty, freaking with his thumbs up and his shitting grin. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I superimposed Monty. I superimposed that is the best thing to come of that photo ever. I superimposed the movie for you into every scene. Needlessly, you're meeting with Mr. Lukov today. <laughs> uh, Winston, get ready. <laughs> get your best backwards flat brim baseball cap. <laughs> Uh, listen, I didn't think that movie was was particularly awesome. Um, it well, it's a it's a movie about a character. I mean, it's not. It, I mean, his performance is great. It's all about him. Yeah, exactly. It, perf- yeah. perfectly. Su- That's what carries the movie. Yeah, perfectly summarized. It was a character uh, study. So, um, I hope he gets something for it because I don't know. Does he? Has he won anything? I don't know. Um, you can go check his IMDb page and look at his nominations and awards and see if he's ever won anything. Uh, I mean, yeah, I could do that, but that's hard. No, um, he hasn't. His Golden Globe is what he... He won the Golden Globe for this, did he? Yes. Yeah, uh, Yeah. yes, I do recall winning the Golden Globe for this. Okay, I'm going to say this. I think he's my favorite, Gary Oldman. Okay. Daniel Day-Lewis, I don't think is the favorite. I think he's the dark horse, but I think he's a strong dark horse because this is the other side. This is 
allegedly his last film. Yes. Which is why they might give it to him. See, that's why. I- Even though the friggin' buzz is all about Gary Oldman. I mean, he put on all this weight. He did all this. He, he literally became Winston Churchill. You can't tell really a difference between the historical Winston Churchill and Gary Oldman's Winston Churchill. That's how good he was. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, like, it was amazing. Like, I know what Gary Oldman looks like. That was not Gary Oldman I saw on that screen. You know? And it was more than prosthetics. It was a total assumption of that character. Yeah, he just blended right into it. So, he's my favorite. But my dark horse, my strong dark horse, my half-point underdog, is Daniel Day-Lewis. All right, all right. So I think, I think there we both agree that neither of us would be surprised if it just came down to those two. Yeah, and I think it does come down to those two because, well, they're both British, you know, and they love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Academy loves nothing more than making itself seem very smart. That is um, true. That's true. Yeah. Now, what do we have? We have Best Actress in the Leading Role. Correct. Sally, Correct. Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water. This is Sally Hawkins' first nomination. Meryl Streep for The Post. This is Meryl Streep's 25th nomination. <laughs> <laughs> Frances McDormand for Three Billboards. Okay. Margot Robbie for I, Tanya. And Circe Ronan for Lady Bird. Lady Bird. So, of these movies, I have seen The Post and I, Tanya. And of these two movies, there's probably not two actresses right now that I love more than Meryl Streep and Margot Robbie. Like, I... Put them in the Daniel Day-Lewis peeling an orange movie, and I would go to see that twice in the same weekend. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Just because Meryl Streep is so good, and anything uh, that I've ever seen her in, I'm like, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Triple feature! Daniel Day-Lewis peeling an orange, followed by (laughs) Margot Robbie, cracks a coconut, capped off with Meryl Streep cuts a watermelon. And Margot Robbie, here's this is this is what I would say about Margot Robbie, is that she doesn't need to be as good of an actress as she is to be the star that she is, but yet she hones her craft. Yeah, I mean, I think part of this movie, she was one of the producers of Itania. Yep. I think part of that was for people to take her more serious, you know, because like, I mean, the last thing I remember being, I know she's been a stuff between us, but the two movies I remember being in a is freaking Wolf of Wall Street. You know, you saw Wolf yep. of Wall Street, right? Yep. yep. And then, I mean, what's she in the Wolf of Wall Street? She's a very hot, uh, Eastern European girlfriend or whatever you know model girlfriend uh and she's taping money to her body to travel overseas and then she's in the big short which she in the big short 
they have her explaining how shorting works while she's sitting naked in a tub. Yes, exactly. It's like kind of comic relief. Yeah. You know, because she's very, because she's, she is a very good looking woman. Well, so you're I also think this forgetting, was like, you're also forgetting she was Harley Quinn in a comic book movie, a sexy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really wasn't forgetting that because I never did see that and I have zero interest in seeing that. Yeah, she was in the Suicide Squad movie. But it's yes. along the same vein. She wears yeah, yeah, tight yeah, yeah. shorts and, 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 and fishnet stockings. And she's got the pigtails, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 and and even this movie, I when I saw it, I thought she was great in. But my first takeaway is she's way too good looking to play Tanya Harding. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. If we're- in all types of ways, she's way too good looking to play Tanya Harding. Like the way went, the way Gary Oldman became Winston Churchill, she became Tanya Harding in name, basically. Yeah. yeah. So okay, if we're gonna start peeling the onion on I Tanya. The issue that I had was was in similar vein was that she just I, I couldn't buy her as teenage Tanya Harding. Okay, you could have told that story, and I understand the very first uh, part of that Act One in in kind of laying the groundwork on who Tanya Harding is and why she she got herself into this whole situation relies on telling her story in her formative teenage years. I get that. But you could have done that with a teenage girl. And then... The way they did it with, like, the uh, eight-year-old Tanya Harden in the movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then jump cut to Margot Robbie as as Tanya Harding. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one reason they didn't do that is because the Jeff Galuli guys makes his move on the young Tanya when she was like 15 and he was an older guy. Yeah. No, so. and I get it. And there was, there's only a few years between those two scenes, you yeah. know, she's, she goes from 15 to, to skating in the worlds at 18. So like, well then why wouldn't it be the same girl? But I don't know. It was a tough, it was, I, I, I had to suspend disbelief enough with that movie, because it's all so so crazy, that that was just one more thing that was that was hard for me to do. But you know, give her credit because you know she she produced the movie. She didn't direct the movie, right? Yeah, she didn't direct. She it. produced it and starred in it and did a great job. And, and she was good, but as far as like being Sonya Harden. Like, it might as well just been fiction. Because even her trying to look rough, she's still attractive. Tanya Harden's not attractive. Right. You know, Tanya Harden is built like a friggin', you know. Lumberjack. She's built like a friggin' truck. Yeah. You know, like she's got those huge friggin' thighs and stuff, which was, you know, the secret to her success, like the free, that's what she was. She was super powerful. Yeah. You know, and she was rough looking. Like that was the problem. It wasn't just like that. She wasn't in pretty outfits. It's that she wasn't pretty on top of it. Right. You know, whereas like this movie, it's like, they want you to think Margot Robbie isn't so pretty uh, as Tanya Hard, but she still is, you know, just cause you make her hair look kind of like 
cheesy and white trashy doesn't mean she's not pretty still, you know? Right, right. Like, Tanya Harden's a rough individual. She, Tanya Harden is from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. Margot Robbie's not from the wrong side no, of the tracks. not at all. You know, so I do have issues with that, you know? Um, all right, so you have... Sorry, we're getting away from That's the okay. handicapping. That's right. So let's get back to... The other movie I saw was Meryl Streep uh, in the post. Okay. Now, a couple things on that. One, um, I listen to the Tony Kornheiser podcast daily. And it's a good daily podcast. They do some current events, some sports. Uh, a lot and was he at the post back then? He was at the post. Um, no. He didn't. He wasn't there for the Pentagon Papers, but because okay. he's probably a little too young for that. He did maybe. know um, Kay Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she ran the paper forever, and he yeah. worked for Ben Bradley. So yep. anytime those two come up, you say Ben Bradley, I think Jason Robards. Me too. And yeah. so does Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> uh, so, does so does Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> um, and. So he broke this down, you know, kind of an insider's view. Um, he liked it. He liked it. And some of the other people he associates himself with are either current or former uh, post columnists. Uh, David Aldridge uh, is a regular guest yeah. on his podcast. Uh, Liz Clark. Well, Will Bond was a post Will guy. Will Bond was a post it? guy. Yeah. Jeannie McManus, who was his editor, <clears throat> is, a, is a contributor to his podcast. He does, I don't know if you ever heard, it, he does a panel. And every day it's him. Yeah, and, I've never. I used to love PTI back in the day when I had more time for that stuff like yeah. years ago. So it's him, um, a regular producer, and then two revolving chairs that are like six or seven people who. who oh, his producer sits in with him every day. Yep. And, like sets up the uh, conversation, basically. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So a bunch of these people are all post people. Um, and. They they kind of gave me a lot of insight or inside info, which was kind of cool. But here's why I love that movie. I thought it was a great movie. Um, two reasons. One, I had seen All the President's Men just a few weeks before that I had never seen that before about Watergate. Okay. I had only seen it when I was in college when I took a class called Political Fiction Film. Oh, I had took that class. Like yeah, taught by Professor Frohawk. Yeah. Was that who taught it? Frohawk, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was a, that guy's brilliant. That was a great class. Yeah, it was a special topic. And if you were a poli sci major, yeah. We watched, um, we watched, uh, uh, Oliver Stone's JFK. Yeah, but JFK. He, Frohawk refused to, to screen it with us. Really? JFK? Because he, uh, he's like, listen, I, I was there. I lived this. Uh, there's no way it was more than one shooter. There's no conspiracy theory, blah, blah, blah. Well, did he have y'all read Case Closed? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I didn't read it because it was too friggin' dense to read the whole damn thing in a week or whatever it yeah. was. But yeah. I had the book, you know, Case Closed. And, and then he also, he, he shot down, he watched it with us, but he was shooting down like all those scenes, like the, um, the Donald Sutherland meeting in the airport, you know, from like New Zealand saying why this wasn't possible you know yeah but he's the he's where i learned about john cassavetes 
you know, okay. the father of independent movies, right. was from Frohawk because that guy, lo- that guy, legitimately loved film. One of the movies we watched was a the Parallax View, which I think is a you know a, a Cassavetes movie or whatever, you know. Yeah, that was that was a good class. Um, yeah, that was a that was one of the best classes I ever took there, man. That was a great class. So I we didn't I, we didn't see all the presidents men in in my okay. in my section, um, but I watched. Yeah, it. you probably took it two years before I took it, based on our. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So I I watched it recently on Amazon, and loved it. It was great. You know, it's one of the classic political fiction film it was one of those movies i always heard about growing up but i never watched because it was when i was growing up that was a movie from the 70s it was just an old grainy 70s movie yeah, you know yeah and, and so it wasn't until i got to college and i watched it and it was like oh all right now i get it you know, you know and the juxtaposition between robert redford dustin and dustin and, hoffman uh, robert redford yeah it was great um yep so what i loved about the post was that it most of the issues that it tackles are issues that we're facing today right integrity yeah. of the press freedom of the press separation of powers you know the power of the executive branch etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, so yeah. like the telling of that story and and the you know the final act you know kind of gave me goosebumpy you know like yeah. it, it gave me it gave me feels you know yeah, I, I got you it, man it, it was it that's was that's a good movie if a movie gives you feels yeah but i just think meryl street to this point in her career just plays meryl street in in every movie yeah. she does because she's so good. And as far as Me Too goes, I think she has problems with that because she's a Harvey Weinstein confidant. So I don't think they're going to reward her. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. I mean, realistically thinking about it, there's too much stink on her. For her to act like, oh, I had no clue. It's like, you claim to be best friends with him. How could you have no clue? Yeah. You know, think about anybody you know who you claim to be really tight friends with. And you know about their skeezy size. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're not going to name names here, but if there's any close friends you knew, like, the stuff they did, like, you know, right, the, it's like, you know that stuff, you know? Yeah. You can't sit here and, like, plead ignorant. You can be like, yeah, yeah. Totally. Whatever. Uh, so uh, that's so, why I think Francis McDormand gets hands down, runaway train, three billboards. This is like... The billboards, uh, three billboards, shining moment. I think she's she's uh, raked in all the awards up till now, up till now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's and as far, uh, not that it's me too that's gonna do it, but it does involve like the root of the story involves. Yeah, and she's a great, you know, she's she's one of those actresses in Hollywood that's just like. You know what? Nobody fucks with her, and she's you know got a powerful voice, and she's you know she's she's married she, to one of the cones. Which is it, Joel or Ethan? Which one is she married? 
Mm, you got I me. I know you're looking it up right now. I am looking it up right now. Joel. Okay. So I Which is why she collaborates with them, of course, often. So Not on this, I think she just, she just gets it. I think that there's no, there's no question. Yeah, I, all right, I already said how I feel about Margot Robbie and all that, so I don't need to go further in there. Uh, I didn't see the post, but I take everything you say. Uh, Shersha, she was wonderful in Lady Bird. She's a great young actress. She's been nominated multiple times. She'll be nominated again, you know. Um, she's been nominated three times. Shersha Run. Yeah. She was nominated as a child in Atonement in 2008 for Best Supporting Actress. She was nominated for Best Actress in Leading Role for Brooklyn, which was a great movie. Did you see Brooklyn? No. Okay, that was 2016 Oscars. She was nominated for a 2015 movie, but that was a really good movie. And she was great in Lady Bird, but she's not going to win it for Lady Bird. No. Um, but here's what she has coming up is Mary Queen of Scots, which will, yeah, that's definitely the type of movie you get nominated yeah. for. And then you know what? By that point, they'll be like, we got to give it to her. Yeah, she's gonna win one eventually. I mean, she's super young. She was born in 1994, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she was born a month before I graduated from high school. <laughs> I think my I think my graduation ceremony was May twenty fifth. So she was born like six weeks before that. <laughs> yeah. Her time her time will come. Her time will yeah. come. Yeah. She's got she's already been nominated three times as a twenty three year old or soon yeah, twenty three year old. She's already been nominated three times over her twenty fourth birthday. She's gonna win. She's not winning it for this, yeah. Uh Sally Hawkins. I also kind of think that's a Richard Jenkins type of thing, too. The nomination is enough. Yeah, yep. You know, Shape of Water was great. And, and what she had to do in the movie, I think, is great, because she didn't say a damn word. Right, you know? right. So we She's do, the star of the movie, and she doesn't talk. We have, we, we have talked about that, um, uh, about that caveat, right? If, if they pay a special needs person or a person yes. that doesn't speak, you know they they have uh, an extra bit of weighted. Yep, it's just like the kids in the hall uh, thing years ago. Did you ever watch Kids in the Hall? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I, know I was the guys. a Kids in the Hall loyalist as a kid, as a teenager. There was one. It was the awards. They showed the nominees. And one guy they showed a clip from his movie. It's a story of a man who has a railroad spike in his head or something <laughs> like that. And the clip is just him, but I got a spike in my head. <laughs> I think he ends up winning because he played the guy with the spike right. in his head. You know? right. <laughs> but that's all the scene is him. But I got a spike in my head. Uh, and that's what I always think about with these. Um. Yeah, so Sally Hawkins is great, but I think hands down it's Francis McDormand. Uh, I'm gonna give Meryl Streep as my dark horse, just because Meryl Streep always has to be a dark horse. Yeah, I would. I'd go for Sally Hawkins as my dark horse. 
All right, that's fair. I'm only saying Sally Hawkins, yeah, she's a good dark horse. I'm only saying because, you know, they're always looking for a reason to give Streep an Oscar, it seems like. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. But we're both with McDormand as the fair. And Frances McDormand was fucking awesome in that movie. She plays such a friggin', like, tough broad. You know? At this point... I think that's a good description of what she is in the movie. Like, a tough, no bullshit, no nonsense broad. At at this point, you just have to look for opportunities to give awards that aren't three billboards at this point, I think. You know? But that's how it happens sometimes, you know? Like, like the year that friggin' Birdman... The year that Eddie Redmayne won for Stephen Hawking. Birdman won everything, all the major awards except for that one. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just it's it's uh, they go on this avalanche sometimes. Like if something wins like a couple of major awards, that means they're probably winning most of them. You know, because that means the Academy people are all all really like the movie. You know, the, a majority of them. And know? I think that's you know I think it's three billboards. I think that this year just cleans up. Yeah, I think that's the movie, and I saw it, and and I was like, "Damn!" But um, we can analyze it more when we get to best picture. But her role in it in particular, like she is, she plays a woman who's like determined, you know, and spite, and she won't even accept like logical explanations for like the dilemma she finds herself in, you know, or for why stuff will not be figured out, and that's what's interesting about it. Ultimately, ultimately, the people she's putting the billboards against, they're not the bad guys in the movie, really. You know, it's just more like the only bad guy really is the one who killed and assaulted her daughter. Right. You know? Right. And and that's what was kind of surprising about it, because you go in there not thinking it's going to be like that, you know? Like, you go in thinking, you know, thinking, oh, straight up, straight up, oh, all right, I get it. Francis McDormand's a good guy. Uh, Woody Harrison, those people are the bad guys. Right. You know, but it's not that, it, it's a little bit more complicated than that. So, uh, what do you want to do next? Did you want to touch on these screenplays yes. before we got to Best Picture? I do, I do. So, all right, well, let's see what we're at right now. We are, we're at about an hour and a half. Yeah, so we'll we'll just touch lightly on the on the screenplays. Um, yeah, for for two reasons. One, um, and, and not that we even necessarily need to drill too deep into each of these movies, but uh, I saw The Big Sick. And okay, yes, and that's that, something I do want to watch. I, it was a really good movie. It was yep. a really good movie, and I think it needs to be recognized. Um, cause obviously it's a true story and obviously it's really kind of a morality tale, uh, about yeah. society and religion. And Camille Nugiani plays himself. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really well written and I think it had, you know, some really good, really good social undertones that it should be recognized. It's nominated for best adapted screenplay or best the, screenplay? Best original. Okay. Yeah. But. I mean, it's his wife wrote it, right? She actually wrote the screenplay, right? Uh, or do they both get credit? He's credited for it. Okay, he's credited for where... it. I'm trying to find 
it on the I'm on the Oscar website, you know, but you gotta roll down a little bit to find yeah. those awards, you know. Oh, and film editing. By but, the way, Baby Driver had great film editing. It's uh it's three billboards. I, I don't I don't think there's a there's a question there. I think that's Yeah, and that's what happens. That's what happens. Then they, they because when a big movie sweeps everything, they sweep all those awards, too. For the best adapted screenplay, which, for some reason, I can't seem to find. Best original. Okay, I got it. They got Call Me By Your Name, The Disaster Artist, Logan, Mudbound, and Molly's Game. Okay. So wh- why I wanted to talk about this is because I saw Mudbound. And yep. there wasn't one thing about that movie that stood out. Like, you know, sometimes you see a movie and you're like, like Big Sick, for example. I'm like, this, this screenplay, this dialogue, this story is incredible, right? With, with Mudbound, like the story was okay and the cinematography was okay and the and the soundtrack was okay, and the performances were good, but like together, it's what's that saying? The sum is, the whole is greater. Yeah, than the sum, of sum its parts. is greater than the total of its parts. Yes, that was this, yeah. and it was it like it was another movie that gave me the feels. Like, thank God I don't own a gun because it was like. Gut wrenching, soul searching, depressing, but in an uplifting, meaningful kind of way. Okay. You follow me? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that the only real opportunity for that to get any recognition is through the best adapted screenplay. I think that's. I'd like to see them win, and I hope they win. I don't think, I, you know, I didn't see any of the other movies. I uh, saw Disaster Artist, and if not for James Franco being called out for all that stuff, he would have been nominated for an Oscar and all that, and nothing's going to happen to that movie now. He didn't. He would have been nominated if not for the allegations. You uh, know? Fair enough. Fair enough. Because he won a globe for it, you know? Yep. And then, but all those allegations came out like the day after the Golden Globes or whatever. Um, I think, I think uh, Alan Sorkin, you know, he's he's a big name and and always gets recognition. But um, yeah, yeah, of course. I I don't think any. But of those... Molly's Game, I had zero interest in seeing that. And the one person that saw it. I heard it wasn't like, yeah, something you could have waited to watch on TV. And Aaron Sorkin makes movies, but he also has made a lot of TV. So it sounds like something that was more like a HBO movie type of thing. So that's why I, I think Mudbound, and I hope Mudbound um, gets it for, for uh, adapted screenplay. I think that they, they deserve it. God damn it. Um... All right, so then that brings us to best director and yep. best screenplay. So, um, best screenplay. Didn't we do I'm original sorry, and best, adapted? Uh, best movie. Oh, best, best picture. picture. Okay, yeah, yeah. best picture. Uh, so best. Let me find best director on my list. Okay, we've got right. Guillermo del Toro. Yep. For The Shape of Water, 
Jordan Peele for Get Out. Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. And Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. Of these movies, I've seen two of them. I have no idea what Phantom Thread is about. I think I've, I've said that more than one time. Uh, I've got a pretty good handle on what... You seem to be reveling in the fact that you have no clue what it's about. <laughs> this anti-intellectualism will not stand, Sandman. I've got a pretty good handle on what Lady Bird is about, and I've got a good handle on The Shape of Water. With all that said, I've seen Dunkirk. Dunkirk was awesome. never been more disappointed in a movie. Did you see it in IMAX? I did not see it in IMAX. Uh, it's an IMAX movie. Fair enough. I think you were cheap. Like, three quarters of the movie was filmed with IMAX cameras. Like, that movie's more about the spectacle than anything. Which is fair enough. But if you know one thing about me and my relationship with, world, with war movies, what is my issue with World War II movies? Ah, uh, jeez. Enough of them don't have Gary Oldman in them? <laughs> that <laughs> essentially, it's the same thing. It's just cities getting carpet bombed. Yeah. Right? That's how you tell a, a World War II story, is that you just carpet bomb a city. And this, this took it to, like, the nth degree... And Christopher Nolan said, you know what people usually do with uh, World War II movies? They, they tell this little love story in the middle of all this carpet bombing. And that holds their attention enough to forget about the fact I'm just trying to throw carpet bombing off as a major motion picture. I'm yeah. Christopher Nolan. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take out the fucking love story and I'm just going to carpet bomb these bastards for 90 for 2 hours. And then Yeah, but it was also they also had this the underlying story about the kid who ends up out there. You know, the kid who shouldn't have been out there to begin with that sneaks onto the boat basically. Yeah, but ends he, up he a hero nothing. basically. He did nothing. Yeah, but that was part of the story, you know? With Mark Rylance, who won the Oscar for friggin' Bridge of Spies. <laughs> Actually leading the boat. Yeah, and um, Chris, Celine Murphy was in there, but he, did, he didn't need to be there. No, I know. Uh, but I do think a lot, I think it was a movie that you did have to see at IMAX, and, and obviously that's what he thought, too, since he filmed it three-quarters of the movie with IMAX cameras, because I think more than anything, it was about watching the the awesomeness of the dog fighting and all that, you know? So, which which then I hope it would win for best cinematography or best editing or something I think like it that. I think it might win for, like, a cinematography award. Wh which would you know? be Because that's the thing, because it was shut out of most of the major awards, you know? Which like is they're not fine. Tom Hardy didn't get nominated for anything, you know? Um... Wait, who was Tom Hardy? Tom Hardy was the pilot. The one that gets rescued? No, the he, one the one who at the Yeah, eventually he does go down, I think. But he's the primary pilot in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Not the one that gets picked up by the boat. No. 
The one, he's the end. He's the very last Yeah, pilot. at the end. He's the one who makes it all the way, but then he runs out of fuel or some shit yeah, yeah, at the yeah, end yeah, or whatever yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how great Tom Hardy is of an actor, is that you never you know. You can't even tell who Tom Hardy is in every movie he plays. He no. always looks different. Yeah, exactly. He's great. He's, yeah. He's unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, what you're saying, I think, is completely fair, which is why I'm saying I think it was about the spectacle. Like, I think everybody knows that, because if it would have been considered anything more than that, Tom Hardy would have been nominated for something. So months and months ago, I think it was maybe Thanksgiving. I was up in the Poconos by myself. So it must have been my birthday. And then my Did you get there fast and then you took it slow? And then my dad came up. <laughs> uh, my dad came up and, and he was working up there. So he, was, he and I were there for a night together. And uh, I was like, hey, watch, let's watch a movie. Um, so we looked and we wanted to watch Dunkirk. And we started to watch this movie. My dad's like, oh, put it on. It's right there. And I'm like, no, dad, I don't think that's it. That's not, that's not the Dunkirk we're looking for. And he's like, no, I think that's it. Let's just watch a few minutes of it. And this then, is not the Dunkirk you were looking for. We watched a few minutes of this like B-rate English documentary about Dunkirk, which was, I mean, it was like not even a PBS special. Like that's how bad it was, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I go, dad, this isn't, this isn't it. And he wanted to watch it so bad that he convinced me to hang on for another 10 minutes just to make sure that this like found footage didn't turn in to a drama. You know, how, <laughs> you know, how sometimes when a movie will start with like some real footage. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. he's like, no, let's just be sure. So I, um, I rented it the other night. It finally came on, on uh, Amazon. It was a 48 hour rental and I watched it as soon as I downloaded it. And then I texted my dad and said, Hey, listen, um, I, I rented Dunkirk here. Here's my account. Log into it and watch it. Uh, cause I knew he'd be excited. And I got a text from my mom today. Um, and it succinctly said, um, uh, not a fan of Dunkirk. And I said, me neither. And then she surprised me and says, I don't think dad was a fan either. And I said, that's too bad because I know he was looking forward to it. She, she correctly follows up by saying, don't worry, it's your father. He'll probably feel completely different about it tomorrow, <laughs> which is so true. You know, now that, that I go and I'll say, hey, dad, sorry you didn't like Dunkirk. He's like, oh, well, I like Dunkirk. It was good enough, you know. He'll 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 have a revisionist history to it, but um, you know, it was a movie that that had high expectations in my mind and just didn't live up. See, I liked it a lot. Of uh, because another thing was it was nice and succinct. Like it's not an excessively long movie. Fair enough. Yeah, you know, it's like ninety minutes long. You Look, know. Yeah. And, I think you've got you're hitting good points and maybe I just got it at a bad time. The issue I have is that if I hadn't seen if I hadn't seen darkest the darkest hour, hour, I would have had no historical context because the only and you way, know it's funny how you're saying that, but go on sorry, go on, but I want to make a, a point on that. The only the only um what's it called when they give you uh it's not supposition, it's uh you know, and they give you the background and they lay the foundation of the story. Preconceived notions? No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a storytelling device. 
Oh, like a preface or something. Oh, yeah, foreshadowing. Something zition. It's it's it's, yeah. it's, it's something zition where where they lay it yeah, out. Yeah, so something zition. Let's keep that in mind, folks. <laughs> Uh, the only way they gave you any background was when they dropped the flyers telling the allied forces that they were surrounded, which you didn't like that. They just jumped into it and did it in that way, because I doubt the historical, the, the historical accuracy of German troops dropping leaflets written in English with basic photoshopped documents, paint, you know, MS Paint quality documents alerting. You were using all those programs back then? <laughs> well, that's what, it oh. put, that's what they made it look like. And I was like, I don't, this is, come on. And they gave you no other, you know. See, the funny thing is, a lot of people I know saw Dunkirk and enjoyed it. Another thing, a lot of people I know, when I told him about seeing um, a couple people I know, when I told him about seeing Darkest Hour, they're like, well, why would I want to see that? I already saw Dunkirk. I was like, uh, because, you know, Darkest Hour is taking place during the Dunkirk thing. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm like, Dunkirk's just a background to what's going on in Darkest Hour. You know, it's about his elevation during that crisis. Right. You right. know, and why he was elevated was because of that, that crisis, basically. You know, that they were, like, in too deep and, fuck, we need somebody that really knows what they're doing now because everybody's losing confidence in the, uh, in the friggin' leadership, you know? Yeah. So they're two different movies. But Dunkirk, to me, was, it was an action film, you know? And it was an action film that was meant to be seen in a theater, not on your couch. I mean, and you're never going to enjoy it if you're... If that's what you were thinking, you know? And the problem is, you saw it framed by watching Darkest Hour. And you think you're getting a historical drama, but that's not... I think, had you seen it... Had, I think, had you seen it eight months ago, you probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. Here's... I'll tell you what. They needed to add... I think it's called Supposition. I think that's the, the vehicle... The, the, the storytelling the vehicle that I'm looking for. Here's what they needed to add. Was a 30 second. And it's a cheap storytelling mechanism. But if they would have done it. I would have bought into it a little more. A 30 second radio. Announcement. From. Whoever. Whether it's Churchill. Whether it's the. You know the commander of the of the British Navy that that Churchill puts on the case, but to say, uh, listen, all hands on deck, we are commandeering all vessels. We need your help. Blah blah blah. Game on, and then go yeah. into the story. If they were to have done that, because here's what I think, I think that they downplayed the role that this action had in that time if you're not familiar with with the historical context yeah then to me it just becomes a shoot 'em up movie 
where I mean, it had it can be an action movie and it can be a war movie, but I needed a little more context than it gave me, and and that's it. And I think I I tell you what I think I. I expect a little more Christopher Nolan than that, but I think he's gotten to the point where he's like, I'm fucking Christopher Nolan. This is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get away with it because I'm Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So with that said, with that said, I think the shape of water has to win something. But I don't know what Guillermo del Toro's, you know, what his, what his stock in Hollywood is. I don't know if people like him. I don't know if people don't like him. I don't know. I think he's, he won the Golden Globe and, you know, he was Birdman. I think he's taking this. I think he's taking this. Okay. Because Shape Award needs to be recognized because... Because Guillermo del Toro needs to be recognized, and he is—he's a—he's a unique filmmaker, and he makes odd stories that he makes beautiful movies, you know, with odd characters. And I think he's going to be recognized for this again. And this is one time I think the Golden Globe is gonna is gonna dictate too. You know, okay. I, I think I think it's going to be chalk as far as like a lot of the stuff goes. You know, I think that's part of it. I, I think I think they want to give it, this to him uh, because he's not going to win all the other stuff, you know? So, and, and I agree because I think it was such a, such a non-traditional movie, you know? It's really a fable that yeah. he captures in, in that light, right? I'm I- sure if the Oscar voters went back to the Academy, they would change their opinion, give him the Oscar for Pan's Labyrinth. You know? Yes. Like, they, they feel like they missed out on movies like that. Like, these great cinematic, these great achievements. Like, and I think back then, probably because, you know, I don't know how many movies he did before then, but he wasn't a household name, like, as far as Americans go. And I think they feel like they missed the boat. So I think they, you know, when they do that, they kind of overcompensate. So with that said, I I agree with you that that he is the favorite. However, I think that Dark Horse gets the nod here. And I think that okay. Dark Horse is Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Yeah, I, she's definitely the Dark Horse, and I wouldn't be surprised if she wins. If it's not Guillermo del Toro, it's going to be Greta Gerwig. Yep. I, I, yep, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. Right place, right time. Yeah, uh, Lady... it's her first movie she's ever directed to. And it's such a critically acclaimed story that the actors, yeah. you know. Well, it's, it, the generation that they're dealing with, too, you know, the I think, millennials. I think she gets it. I think. Uh... Yeah. All right. You're going to say your favorite is Greta Gerwig? Yeah, I mean, no, I. I, I think yeah no uh, I think Guillermo del Toro is is the favorite for all the reasons the that you said. All right. But Greta Gerwig is the dark horse, and I all right. And I would so not be Gerwig, surprised. Gerwig will put an asterisk. 
I, I agree with you on both counts. I think we're both in agreement here. All right. Now, uh, for best picture. There's no picture, debating this. Uh, Jordan Peele's not going to win, even though it's his first movie. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's not going to win, even though he's a great director. Christopher Nolan's not winning it. They're going to win effects awards for that stuff. Probably going to win cinematography, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but I, I think Guillermo is the fave. All right. All right. Very good. Um, which brings now, us best picture, right? to the best picture where there the are... The big one. We've been waiting all night for this. There's only nine nominees. Yeah, because yeah, I guess they can go up to ten they can go if up they to want. 10. Yes. Uh, the nominees are... And here he is. Academy Award winner for the... For the Godfather, Robert Duvall. You know, they always bring yeah, out yeah, a freaking yeah, yeah. person I won the shit like 40 years ago. Right. You know? <laughs> I'll tell you who it won't be is, uh, is Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, that's for sure. Yeah, not again, you know. Um, best Picture nominees, The Shape of Water, Darkest Hour, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk. Uh, some movie I haven't seen called The Phantom Thread. <laughs> you haven't seen that, really? <laughs> Three Billboards, Get Out. Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Let's give Ebbing, Missouri their props. Yeah, you know what the problem is? I'm 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 reading it off my phone, so it only says Three Billboards. I always call it Three Billboards, but it's funny. Like even when I went to see, I was like, wait. Three billboards. I was like, I, because I didn't even bother to know the rest of it because it was such a long title, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Get Out, The Post, Call Me By Your Name, Il Posto, as they say in Italian, and Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Lady Bird. So, what caught my, what caught my eye? And maybe I'm just a little more cognizant these days because we do this special and that movies is is um it, you know is a social activity that i like to engage in more than any others um is that a lot of these movies are more so than getting like naked on a bar yeah well that's number two <laughs> these days these days these days <laughs> these days um it, it, a lot of like these you shed pounds this probably be a good time to get on bar and let people know what you got <laughs> well, i still got a couple more to go don't worry about it <laughs> hey look abby roberts is attending tedeschi trucks band at hyman performing arts center with celebrating del celine roberts and jenny roberts axelrod oh tell them please sit down right now what's her mom that, that must where's that at that's not here that might be in lafayette yep lafayette louisiana all right tell her please don't stand up yeah have a seat and sit down for day six and of course she's there with her mom because her mom's the generation of that. Yes. All right. Very good. Yeah. 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 I wonder on her podcast if she's going to talk about it. How her mom wanted everybody to sit down. Yeah. Her and mom's how, knees were getting all inflamed, and and how how Liv's friend Sanders ruined the ruined the darkest hour for them because <laughs> yeah, he photoshopped yeah, yeah. me into a picture. Because all I could think about was him thinking about Monty <laughs> ruining the darkest hour for him and I'm going to marry Monty in two weeks. What the fuck? <laughs> um, so, I, this is, uh, uh, to me, we've said, hands down, three billboards outside of uh, Ebbing, Missouri. 
wins, right? There's no way yep. it doesn't win. Um, but this year, all these movies to to me were were big motion pictures. They were movies. They were out. They were they, films. They had big stars, big directors, um, great stories, and they were all worth seeing. You know, there's no chocolate in this mix. Yes. Like, at first, when Shape the of Water... The plots haven't gotten smaller than movies have. <laughs> <laughs> when The Shape of Water came out, I was like, ugh. But then, as I saw... You know sometimes when they do a trailer or a teaser trailer, you're like, that looks horrible. But then maybe you go back and you watch a full trailer or you see a clip, um, you know, on YouTube or remember when, uh, I don't know, if I guess actors still do this, but I just don't watch these shows anymore. But, you know, you go on Leno or Letterman and they, well, did you bring a clip? Oh yeah, okay. And they, yeah, yeah. you know, they raise. What are we watching here? They raise the TV up from behind, and then they watch. And then they the, turn around. They put their hand on their, yeah, their elbow on their thigh, and the uh, rest of chin on their, yeah, exactly. Like with the thumb clenching their chin. The movie Shape of Water. It's out nationally on Friday. Check your local listings. Guillermo del Toro. Thanks for joining us. Next up, you know. Who's somebody, yeah, yeah, who's yeah, somebody yeah, that yeah. would come next up? You know, like uh, uh, Brian Regan. Yeah. Stay tuned. Brian Regan, yes. Yeah. So if it was Letterman, it would definitely be like Brian Regan because Letterman loves him. So uh, The Shape of Water is a movie I'm going to see. Uh, the Darkest Hour, I loved it. I thought it was a good movie. Um, <laughs> Phantom Thread, I will actually try to see it. I am going to try to see it. I am going to... And I, I'd like to see it in a theater because that's where I, that's kind of where I need to go to hold my attention. Yeah, for movies like that. Although here's even more reason for me to to see this movie. Um, the top story when you click on Phantom Thread is Oscars 2018. Jennifer Lawrence hated Phantom Thread. Turned it off after about three minutes. Where is, is this? Where, is where just, are you reading this? Um. It's on Google. If you Google Phantom Thread, okay. No, I mean I. I don't need. I'm just curious. I, I'm just because I guess I got lost for a second. All of a sudden, you start talking about Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so Thread. this was even more reason for me to go see it because I don't know anybody that's gone in my own personal eyes, gone from sweetheart to sour faster than Jennifer Lawrence has for me because. Oh, yeah. Like, all right. So you're not going to go see Red Sparrow? No, enough. Enough, Jennifer Lawrence. I get it. I get it. Can you do something else besides be Jennifer Lawrence for once? (laughs) Uh, Get Out. I saw Get Out. I saw Get Out with my mom. She loved it. Oh, really? Yeah, she loved it. That surprises me. Yeah, well, listen, you you should sit and listen to her sometime because she has a wide, diverse, uh, taste in movies she would yeah. she's my go-to movie if i really want to enjoy a movie and see a movie i i'll i'll rent it and see it with my mom if i want to go experience it in the theater i gotta go with my dad because my mom won't go to to a theater 
But um, my mom is great because she has guessed the ending to every movie she's ever seen. <laughs> like, I don't know. She has this preternatural ability to do it. And she's frustrating because she falls asleep in the middle of the movie all the time and whatever. But, like, she doesn't, she never misses anything. You know, she's like back up five minutes later and she's like in the swing of it, didn't miss a, you know, a, a plot twist or anything. Um, but for, for Get Out, she stayed awake the whole time. Um, okay. Enjoyed Even it. through all that gruesome brain stuff at the end. Yeah, yeah. That was nothing. I remember Drew and I we were both like turning away doing that. Oh. Like, oh yeah, see, that <laughs> stuff doesn't, doesn't bother me and I, I get it doesn't bother her. Um, Mm. Saw the post. I, I like the stuff post. like that. Never bothers moms after all the shit they see with so, babies. So and true, especially kids, especially nurse moms. You know, yep, they've yeah, seen yeah. it all twice. Um, call me by your name. Um, you know, I'll see that. I'll see that. that that's yeah, that's, I'll that's, see it. That's right it's on my alley. That. Um, and then Ladybird. Yeah, I'm down with that. All these Ladybird was great. I loved Ladybird. These are all great movies that I, I I look forward to seeing, and you know they're all best picture worthy. Even Dunkirk, even Dunkirk. I although even I hated it. Dunkirk. I understand you hate it. Why it got nominated? Yes, because uh, it's a movie. Yes, it's a motion picture. I can understand it, and, and they brought not a agree sense of the term. So. Uh, so there we go, clocking in just under, uh, just under. Two and I'll hours. say this much about Three Billboards: what I loved about it, it had a great story. I also loved the frank nature of the talk. It was politically incorrect in the way that politically incorrectness is supposed to be politically incorrect, like not needlessly being rash and harsh and using cruel terms to use cruel terms, but reflecting the way these people probably do talk, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, people from a small Midwestern town, like in the Ozarks or whatever, you know? Like, that's what it basically is, like a small mountain town, you know? Like a like the way people really talk. They're not using it for... They're not using it to be assholes, to make fun of people. They're just using unpopular terminology that you can't use in polite company anymore like retard and stuff but it's used within context it's because that's probably how those people would talk absolutely you know that's the way these characters would talk and they're harsh rough people from who are kind of shut off from you know the urban sensibilities you know and that's what you have to do to tell a story sometimes just tell it accurately yeah, you know? so I and and it was a great film, and you know the way it ends, it even leaves you wondering, well, what's going to happen next? You don't know, you know. It just it leaves it up to you to figure out, which you know in this context was perfectly fine. So this is interesting. Uh, so I've been uh, scrolling. I googled the 90th Academy Award nominees. Uh, for 2018, and then that's it gave me what I have been scrolling through, and little down the page there's a poll 
Where'd it go? It was a poll. I guess once I refresh the page, it got rid of it. But it asked, it asked what vote for the best, uh, best picture. And so I clicked on three billboards, figuring that it would be the runaway winner. But only 23% of the respondents had picked three billboards. 21% had picked, um, Shape of Water. Okay. And there was just 21,000 respondents. That's a good sample size. Yeah, yeah. But of course, we're also dealing with it. This is a plurality, you know? There's going to be no majority winner here. Yeah. So, so, oh, here we go. I got it back. 23% uh, three billboards, 21% Shape of Water, 17% Call Me By Your Name. And then fifteen uh, percent for Dunkirk, only three percent for Darkest Hour, and only three percent for The Post. Um, which I guess is. About I'm gonna right. make Shape of Water as my dark horse because I think Three Billboards is the favorite, but Shape of Water I think is the only thing that can reasonably knock it off. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you. There. I-, I feel like this year is very um, is very is very template is very uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for chalk predictable yes yeah like chalk. it's all chalk yeah that's what i was saying earlier like golden globes don't always exactly dictate it but i think in a lot of ways it may this year because it's not because it wasn't like like Guillermo winning the best director at Golden Globe, he's not like some unknown winning it, you know? Right. And it's not like some guy without real chops winning it, like some out of nowhere type of dude. You know, it's a guy who everybody loves, you know? Yep. And that's what a lot of times it has to do with. It has to do with the fact whether you're just really popular. You know, I think he is re- in the industry, and I think he's really popular within the industry, you know? I agree. I agree. Yeah, so with that being said, those are our, our um, 2018 90th Academy Awards special and predictions. Um, please listen to this while watching the Academy Awards. You can chart our predictions. Yeah, and if you want to know who we picked, if you don't remember who we picked, Liv wrote it down. So. Uh... Either tweet at him or send him a Facebook message, and he can take a picture of those uh, predictions, so we're accountable for them. Yeah, I mean, Otherwise, I didn't write down the screenplay ones, but I know who you. But that was kind of your thing, and we know who you pick for screenplay. That's no big deal. <laughs> all right, man. Then on that note, but we got all the major ones down, you know. Uh, Fredo poly- says he doesn't care about screenplay because he don't read anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, with apologies <laughs> to uh, Christopher Nolan, we will uh, see you guys. We will see you guys next week. Yep. See you at the movies, Fredo. <laughs>